Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, I'm joined by the incredible Shalene Johnson. This lady, she's the founder of the Smart Life Movement and Team Johnson. She's a creator of the Marketing Impact Academy, which went down a storm when she spoke on stage at Expert Empires in London. New York Times bestselling author with over 20 million podcast downloads. Shalene, thank you so much for joining us here on the Empire Builders podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. So, I mean, I gotta say, um, when you came to London and spoke on stage at Expert Empires, you rocked it. I mean, like <laughs> the, I've never seen at our events energy <laughs> from the stage in the room like when you spoke. Goodness. It was absolutely incredible. So, um, and of course, in this interview, I wanna find out all about, uh, on behalf of our listeners, how you've built over the last 30 years um, so many incredible businesses in the health industry, um, using your social media profile. I want to dig into all of that. But yeah. like the first question I want to ask, and I really believe this is crucial, is okay. like, what is for you, what is the secret to having such unbelievable energy? Because I really believe that all business success stems from that place. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. I don't know that I've ever been asked that, I, but I immediately knew the answer. I have to be having fun. If I'm not having fun, my energy starts to zap like a you know cell phone. Like If I'm having fun, that is my primary f- motivator and it gets me up, it gets me amped, and I think fun is contagious. So even when I'm teaching something that's really serious, I get incredibly passionate about it and that's fun for me. And um, so I might not radiate as like silliness, but if I'm having fun, my energy's high. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I mean, obviously, um, I probably spend a lot more time talking about stra- business strategy and marketing tactics and that kind of thing. But I believe that none of that will help you unless you've got your energy in the best place possible, in, unless you've got the right mindset, you're in control of your state mentally and emotionally. So like, that's why I asked that question. I just think it's crucial. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people in our industry teaching strategies and tactics for business and not teaching the energy and mindset piece. Yes. Well, I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, uh, to expand on my answer, I'm very protective of my my need to control my energy. And it, it took me many years as an entrepreneur to be to know that I needed to do that and to not feel guilty about it, that I was actually, I could do better for everybody else if I was selfish, or I shouldn't say selfish, if I was protective of how I needed to build my energy. So a couple of things. Number one, I don't take any meetings before 11 a.m., period, end of subject. The president could call anybody. I just, I won't take a meeting before 11 a.m. with rare exception. Now, if it was somebody in the UK and we had to strategize things, we've done it. But for the most part, 11 a.m. is key. That means the very first part of my day is spent doing things that bring my energy level up. I exercise every single day. I start my morning every single day with either a devotional or something that expands my mind and my mindset. So I I never wake up and do social media. 
I wake up and I do either, um, you know, an audio training or I'm in a course and I'm listening to the audio lessons or watching the audio lessons. And I do that for the first hour of my day. I drink my coffee. I take my supplements. I drink my water. Then I hit the gym. And then, I mean, this is, I don't even know how to just. I'm, I'm curious. Are you like a routine person, same thing every day? Or are you a little bit more laid back, chilled? It's like you just kind of go with the flow before 11. I'm in trouble if I go with the flow. I mean, I suck if I let my, if I tell myself, you know what, I'll just get all of these things done in this time frame. I just don't. And then I feel bad about myself. I'm, and then I, then it's my energy comes down and I start to beat myself up. Like if I'm, the more structure I have, the more freedom I feel. And then the piece that I don't really know how to describe is I allow myself about an hour of playtime. And I don't really know how to describe that, except that I give myself permission to do things that really entertain me. And they might not have anything to do with business, but they make me laugh. Like laughter is huge for me. Like if you're not funny, we're probably not going to be friends. And so I need to laugh. I need to do things to make other people laugh. It might have nothing to do with business. I might make a funny skit video and send it to my friends. I might make a funny skit video and post it to social. I might um, just listen to a comedy routine. I might... I might dance. I might I might just sit and think about things. But I, I need like some time to just kind of not have to do anything and just be me. And then I'll jump into work. Yeah, fascinating. And, and by the way, I just want to highlight something you said, which is the more structure you have, the more freedom you feel, I think you said, or experience. And yeah. what's what's fascinating to me about that, I, I, love, I love doing these interviews because it gets – it means that I can kind of climb into the brains of people that are super successful in business, in health, in their life. And like you, you've just created a meaning between two things that most people do not link. It's like for most people, having structure creates the opposite feeling to freedom. Yeah. But you, yeah. you see the structure gives me this incredible feeling of freedom. You've kind of internally connected those two, which yes. I just find really fascinating um and i like to uh, when i interviewed david goggins i actually made the mistake of asking him what his morning routine was and and he said he went do you really want to know and i was like yeah and he maybe. went because i'm not sure you do and i was like well maybe i don't i'm not so sure but i do i'd love to hear um if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit in more detail your morning routine and i don't think it's a case of well, if it's Shaleen's morning routine, then I have to do it exactly the same. I believe it's about finding your own yes. version that works well for you. But I'd be fascinated to know what yours is because I know that many of our clients, people, I get asked this a lot. And, you know, Nick's version isn't the right version either. And I think it's good to explain different methodologies so people can pick the one that fits well, fits best for them. Mm. Yeah, because David's probably has more structure than mine, but because it's his structure, it wouldn't feel like freedom to me. I think we all have to know what our what what structure works best for us. Sure. And when we stick to that, that's how we experience freedom. I think it's when other people impose that structure on us that it doesn't feel like it feels like we're being, you know, held back or confined or we've lost our freedoms. So for me, um, I, I think what you just said is, it's very true. We each need our own. So what's your structure? Like, are you yeah. like super early, get out of bed person? What, what's you, what, I'd love to yes. know how you roll in the morning. Yeah, so I, um, I usually wake up around 5 a.m. Uh, the, the only thing that does 
vary is a time that I wake up. And it used to be that I had the exact same time that I woke up every single day for like 18 years until I learned that I had um, chronic sleep deprivation. And then I had to force myself to say, I don't get to set my alarm for 5 a.m. unless I've gone to bed by a certain time. So I, I base my wake time on my sleep time. So whatever time I've gone to sleep, then I set my alarm for seven hours later. I was going to say, what's the magic number for you? That's seven me. hours. Yeah, this, for me, it's seven hours. You know, even six and a half is I, I'm still getting proper brain health. I mean, I do a lot for brain health because I, I don't think I need as much sleep as the average person, but we all need sleep to remove toxins from the brain to, you know, increase that BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. And, and to really be of sound mind, you have to get adequate sleep. And I spent many years as an entrepreneur thinking that sleep was something I would do after I was incredibly successful. Um, but that's not good advice. You know, you, you need sleep. Um, so, so I wake up very early, like 5 a.m. I think that the, the topic of sleep, I mean, I don't know if this is just me noticing it more, but it feels like it's becoming a lot more talked about. And, you know, I remember in, in my early days of entrepreneurship and, and studying personal development, and it was like, you know, the kind of attitude was there's plenty of time to sleep when you're yep. dead. It's like, you yeah, know, totally. you hustle, said you, that. You, you know, four hours a night, you know, you, you work until you midnight and then you get up at 4 a.m. and you do your work and and like I was trying to do that in the early days and just failing dismally. Oh yeah, I just couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, it. it will catch up with you. Yeah, and and actually, I think now um, common sense has prevailed and science has advanced, and I think people are now seeing the importance. It's probably more um, quality time rather than quantity in terms of time spent working. It's like oh you yes, get the, yes, you get yes. your you get your six and a half or seven hours which might mean that you're asleep for a couple more hours than you might have been if you were hardcore hustling, but the quality of the rest of the day more than makes up for it. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I had a brain scan. That was my motivator. And, and to see the toxicity in my brain and then to follow the protocols, to change my sleep patterns, and then to retest two years later to see the improvements. You know, I'm lucky enough that I can afford to do something like that. I don't know if I would have been as motivated you know, because I think we can kind of lie to ourselves and say, well, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm different. I'm not tired, so I must be OK. Uh, but actually seeing my my brain specced uh, was very motivating for me to change my sleep patterns. So so now I wake up, you know, around roughly around 5 a.m. Uh, the very first thing I do is I drink 25 ounces of water. I fill up. This is a, a, a hack. I fill up three water bottles every single night. So everything about my morning, I set up the night before. So I fill up three 25-ounce bottles of water the night before because I know I need to get 75 ounces in for me. And if I would kept like refilling my bottle, I, I never knew, like, did I refill this twice? How, you know, did I drink it all the way down? So now I just fill up three. And I force myself to drink the first 25 ounces before I get my, 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 uh, my juice, my coffee. Um, and then while I'm... Drinking my coffee, drinking my water. I take my supplements for anything I might be missing in my diet or I need to supplement for my diet. And then I spend that hour um, just in the morning, just really waking up slowly, but doing so by fueling my mind with things that make it grow and make me think and not social media. Never, never, never social media, even though I'm someone who teaches social media because that puts me in a different state of mind. That puts me in a state of comparison. It puts me in a state of I get anxious and I like to be calm and grow my mind. I'm, I'm guessing you must have watched The Social Dilemma. 
Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that, Crazy. I, I watched that recently and look, you know, you, I mean, look, you're way more experienced when it comes to social media than I am, but you know, I, I know how it works and we use Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram a lot for our business. And, you know, I, I know how it works pretty well, probably more than the average man or woman, but I was still a little bit, I was surprised just how advanced the algorithms really are and how it can massively influence your thinking and your view of the world and your energy and all these yeah, things. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's, look, social media is an amazing tool and, you know, and great for building your profile and your business. But also I think it does have the, the potential to have some negative elements if you let it. That's right. That's why I recommend it when you want to put this habit into place. The way, the, the way to make it work is to attach it to a habit you have in the evening. So I, I love um, the act of, you know, hooking a, ha hooking a new action to an existing habit. And I have, I have a very established habit of making my coffee before, you know, getting the coffee maker ready before I go to bed. And so it's while I'm doing that, that's my reminder or my trigger to pick out whatever it is I'm gonna listen to in the morning. Because if I don't have something ready, then your natural go-to is to just open your phone and look at Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. So I spend about an hour uh, expanding my mind. Um, I I very much enjoy putting on makeup. I, I think of it as a hobby. It's very relaxing for me. And I know people think that's crazy. Like I will put on my my face, like self, you know, also like my face creams and take care of my skin while I'm listening. And it's just very calming for me. And then I get dressed and go to the gym. And I usually will, I, I do strength training five, six days a week. And um, I'll do cardio another five, six days a week. So I, I do, you know, take care of all yeah. those things. Two so two sessions a day? Well, one, one, one session that's usually like an hour and a half to maybe an hour and 45. So you get strength um, and cardio in that session? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And flexibility. Sometimes I'll do uh, strength, body weight training. Um, and then I will come home and that's when I play. Like, so there's food in between there too, but... When I come home from the gym, that's that's that, that playtime. Um, now I, I, I'm not ready to get into work yet. Now I want to do things that feel fun. I'm listening to music. Um, I roller skate. I do things that are very, very playful and very joyful because I, I want to step into my work. I want to step into my meetings. I want to step into a creative mode, feeling really like excited and happy. And um, uh, part of that is just have, giving myself permission to have fun. Sure. Um, I want to come back. Uh, just step back uh, a minute or so to you talked about social media and you know not having that be the autopilot first thing you do in the morning um what rules do you have for yourself if any around social media usage mm, they're only business related so i don't look at my friends content i don't look at other people competitors uh everything that i do online is to study algorithm and to figure out how to, I'm always thinking like, okay, based on what's going on with the algorithm today, because it changes all the time, it literally changes all the time. Yesterday here in the United States, uh, hashtags were banned. So now hashtag, well, I shouldn't say they're banned. Uh, hashtags say, will not appear in results until after the election. Oh. Crazy. So I, I love uh, studying the algorithm and then everything that I do online it, on my social media, and I spend hours on social media every day, is figuring out 
how those levers are affecting our reach on all of our different platforms, doing case studies and interacting with my audience. I probably spend about, on average, two hours minimum per day responding to DMs minimum. And there are days, and this may shock people, but there are days where I will spend six to eight hours a day just responding to DMs because that is telling me what to charge for our next program, what people's problems are, what they want it called. It tells me what language to use in my email copy. It tells me what language to use on my sales pages. It tells me everything. They are the most incredible people to listen to because you don't have to guess. You know what's amazing to me is that, like, I, I think a lot of people see people like you, Shaleen, with you know, millions of followers on social and you'll post a video and it'll get it'll go viral and you'll get like tons and tons of shares and likes and loves and comments. But they don't see you spending two hours a day in the DMs. Yeah, minimum. They, that they don't see like what I would call that is they see the glory, not the grunt work. Yeah. The, the oh, two sure. hours a day and you say sometimes four, five, six hours a day in the DMs. That's the work that allowed you to build the huge profile. They just yeah. want to post a few videos every now and then. And because their content's so amazing, mm -hmm. then they just expect it to yeah. blow up. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and, and it's like anything, you know, I think people dramatic, they, they, they underestimate how hard you have to work to achieve success. And that, that's, True, when it's whether it's to build your Instagram following, or whether it's to build a seven or eight figure company, or whether it's to get in amazing physical shape, or whatever it is, they just grossly underestimate the amount of work it takes. Absolutely, and how much it changes on Instagram. I mean, it really it just changes all the time, and, and so and people are always blaming the algorithm. Yeah, and you you can't keep ahead of that. You can't keep, well, you can't keep ahead of it clearly, but you can. You can't keep up with that if you're just, oh, I'm going to post a video a week or uh, a couple of videos a week here and there. But you, like, you know, you're, what I'm hearing, Shaleen, is that you're like an avid student of the algorithm and like yeah. wanting to work out every little detail you can about how it works. And, you know, the I do think that for entrepreneurs, that can sound very intimidating. And, and that's why um, it is important to have experts and mentors that you turn to. I um, I can't expect to create a sales page uh, once a quarter and to know all the nuances of conversions. I, I can't expect to, nor do I want to know all that. But it's up to me to hire an expert who that's their job, that they are constantly doing split testing, that they are so aware of the temperature of consumers online that, and I think that's what we have to remember as entrepreneurs is like, you don't have to know how to do freaking everything, but the more you invest in experts, the more you invest in people who do, um, the more time you're going to save yourself and the more freedom you have to do the thing that only you can do. I, oh. I love this and it's what I teach, uh, but there's a whole bunch of things that make my biz make the needle move in my business that I, I, ha I have experts who I pay um, to make sure they know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what I want to talk about now is that maybe I have intimidated people a little bit and got millions of social media followers and, you know, and it's hard work and hours a day sure. in the DMs. But what, what advice would you give to someone who's 
looking to start now building their social media profile because you know they want to build their business and they yeah. know that social media is crucial of course i think we all get that like what advice would you give to someone they're one man or woman band they're on their own like how do, i mean i think a lot of people are just overwhelmed they go in there's Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and there's only so many hours a day and where do I put yeah. my focus? Like, yeah. What advice would you give to someone starting out? Well, pick, pick the platform that you want to spend the most time on because that then, then it's most fun for you and you probably already understand it and it's very likely that your customers are already there. Um, that's number one. Number two is know that everything has changed and, and the biggest piece of that is this. People don't care about you or the individual. They don't. They want You've got to create content that's shareable. So if I go out to dinner with you, Nick, and um, even with all of my followers, and, and we take a picture together and I put my arm around you and I do this great post about how, you know, who you are and why we're out to dinner, no one freaking cares. No one cares. And we keep posting things that we think are going to make us look good, but that's not what gets any traction in social today. That might have worked in 2017. It does not work today. The only thing that works now is shareable content. So what, what is it that, in your mind, what are the key components or what are some examples of the most shareable yeah. content in 2020 right now? Very easy for everyone to know this because the most shareable content you know because you're already sharing it. It's that, sure. that post that you screenshot and you send it to your buddy and you're like, oh, can you believe, check this out, how funny is this? Or like, did you see this? It's You're already sharing that kind of content and you're already sharing it to your story. So you already know what it is. And the funny thing is, we know what shareable content is, except when it comes to ourselves. Then we look at our page and we're like, we think that what's shareable is posting a flattering photo of ourselves and writing a clever caption. Why would I share that? How does, how does me sharing that about you make me look good? Shareable content is content that we want to share to our stories or to our feed or to our Facebook page because it says something about who we are. It says something about our values. It says something about the audience that we're trying to attract. It says something about the message we're trying to convey. It says something about the value that we're trying to put out to the world. Maybe it's even our sense of humor or what we find entertaining. But that's what valuable, shareable content is. So when you look at a piece of content, you have to ask yourself, will, other, will this make other people look good if they share it? Right? right? So if it's all about me, why would you share that? You're not, if it's just like, like if I, like these, here's an example. And I freaking hate these posts. The posts where people like they buy two Mylar balloons to celebrate the fact that they hit 50K. Why do yeah. I care? Why does anyone care that you just hit 50K or whatever K it is? You've just seen everybody else do that. And don't do it because it's going to be your worst post. And no one's going to share that. Like it's just that's what's in that for me. So when people are creating a social media platform, just ask yourself, OK, who is it I'm trying to help? What's their problem? person I'm trying to help is an entrepreneur. So everything that I post, I'm going to say like, is this valuable to an entrepreneur? And are is it so valuable that they're likely going to share it? Like, will it say something about them if they share it? Either because of my sense of humor or it's very helpful. Um, and then I have to ask myself like, what is the problem they're trying to solve? And what do they think the solution is? So you and I know that most entrepreneurs think they need a bigger social media following. I might know that it's beyond social media. You know, you're going to use social media to grow your email list. 
But if I post content about growing your email list, it'll tank because nobody knows that that's their problem. So you have to focus on what your audience believes is the solution to the problem. So my audience, they're entrepreneurs. I know, I personally know they need an email list. They think they need social media. So I'm going to show them how to grow their social media, but I'm always going to have that underlying message. But that's not going to grow your business. That's just going to grow your following. The way we grow your business is by building your email list. Sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I say a lot is sell people what they want and then give them what they need. Absolutely. What they want from you is teach us social media and you'll go do that and then you go, and what you really need is to build your email list. But if you go with build your email list, then... They're, they're shut down. They're not open to that, right? That's right. Some of the biggest, fastest growing accounts on all social media platforms, whether it be Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, it doesn't matter. It is what we call feature or themed accounts. And this should be a great relief to all entrepreneurs who are listening because we often think, like, I don't know how to create anything shareable about me. I don't know. I'm not that great on camera. I don't know. I don't have the interesting of a life. And so by themed accounts, what I mean by that, and you, we all follow them. It's the account that it's like the girl boss account, right? Or the, um, the hustle harder account where you're just getting like content that's been reshared. Other viral posts that have been reshared, but it's a collection of the best stuff. It's the collection of the most shareable stuff because every single post you're like, yeah, that's a zinger. I love that. And now that is should be a relief to anyone because now you don't have to create all the content. You just have to curate it. Nice. Yeah. And one of the thing that you've said that stood out most for me here in terms of shareable content is content that makes the person sharing it look good. Mm-hmm. And when I think about, um, for example, a good friend of mine just, um, just broke a world record. Um, he did a double Ironman back-to-back with no rest. Oof. Never been done before, right? So, yeah. but the point is when he has posted videos or he's posted like today that he did this, I think last week, the week before, and it's just got um, uh, official, got the certificate, all that, that it is in fact a world record. I'm going to, I share that because me being friends with somebody who's a world record holder makes me look good. Now, right. I wasn't thinking when I shared it, oh, this will make me look good consciously, but unconsciously I was like, hey, I want to share this. Right. And right. it does make me look good. And, and he was raising money for charity. And so me sharing it helps him do that. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I'd never really thought of it in that way before. But yeah, the, the content that's most shareable is the stuff that doesn't make you the person who created it look good it makes the person sharing it look good i think that's that's right that's that's right. a big that's it's a massive distinction i've never really thought of it that way before um so when it comes to i'm curious when it comes to your social following um and of course as we know the social following doesn't really mean that much it's what you then do with it and that's why building an email list i'm on board it's it's crucial how, how much of that social following has been built with um organic content that's then been shared and how much of it has been down to paid advertising all 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 of our accounts have been built organically every single one of them so like we've never run an ad what what do you spend on ads 
the only ads that we run are for our programs. We never run an ad to an account. Never. For real? Yeah. So like, you yeah, don't, this you year, don't, this you year don't we're going to start doing money. some case studies with that, but we, we have never, never. That's mental. But, and the reason yeah. I asked that question, um, first of all, right now I hate you quite a lot. Um, <laughs> we, we spent a lot on ads and, and haven't um, built anywhere near the, the size of following you have. Um, but the reason I wanted to ask that was because I think it's refreshing for my audience to hear that you can do this without spending a load of money. It's like, it's okay. you know, it's all well and good when you go, oh, it's all right for you guys. You know, you've got big companies, big businesses, and you've built a, a decent amount of wealth. You can then spend money to build your profile, but it's, uh, it's refreshing and probably a bit of a relief to a lot of people listening to know that you don't need to do that. And, and just so I make sure that I'm answering um, honestly, it, I want to clarify, you're asking, have we ever run ads to build our social media? Sure. No, we have not. No. I mean, we've, we've certainly, we certainly run ads uh, to drive traffic to one of our programs using <laughs> social media, but not at all to never to grow one of those pages or accounts. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the easiest thing for people to do to, to kind of understand what that looks like is to take a look at some featured type accounts. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, two of ours. One is called Home Workouts and then underscore the number four, the letter U. So home workouts underscore the number four, the letter U. And that is um, over a half a million followers. And it's it's just fitness content, but it's not me. And um, the another account you can go and look at is Marketing Impact Academy. And that is, it's our brand name, but the content on that page is all curated content of other viral posts that serve people who are entrepreneurial. Because if I have a brand, like, so use that example, Marketing Impact Academy is my online academy. It's my marketing school. And we have, we have 7,000 members in that school. But if I had a page that just served just our students, it would be capped at 7,000 if I was lucky. And, and nobody follows a brand like just to see what that brand's doing every day. They just don't, like with the exception of maybe Nike or, or some other bigger brands. For the most part, you, you want to attract, however, what we are doing every day is attracting people who are entrepreneurial by posting the type of content that they're like, yeah, I'm going to share this. Interesting. So, so I got. by the way, the reason I love doing these interviews, it's like I get to pick the brains and ask questions of some of the most successful people on the planet for my own selfish reasons. So this it. is me taking advantage, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So like, so most of my social media activity, um, and if you look at my profiles on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, yep. they're, they're Nick James. It's yep. like, yep. it's my name. Um, yep. And I, but my brand, Expert Empires, we don't really have much in the way of social presence. So what, what I'm hearing here is that we could and probably should build an Expert Empires Instagram account, an Expert Empires Facebook page, and curate very shareable content on mm -hmm. those pages. And of course, mm -hmm. I'd still have my personal profiles where I yep, put yep. my videos and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but actually, this, this makes a lot of sense when I think about the, the people in our industry that have blown up huge, I mean... Um, Again, I'm always wary of dropping names um, because I don't know how you feel about them. But, you know, there, there are some pretty big names that have built uh, social media profiles really by curating content 
and not really from creating their own content. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd never really thought about it that way. So, um, yeah, what are your yeah, so thoughts here, here's on... Marketing Impact Academy. And it's just, it's the kind of post that you would share. And then yeah. probably like every sixth post, we might feature one of the experts that teaches inside of our academy. So that boosts their profile as well. But it's it's primarily just shareable content. The content that you're posting is other, other stuff that you've found from other sources and, and or is it stuff that you've created yourself? Both. Um, and so here's a quick tutorial on how you do that. You pick a hashtag that is your hash. Like when I say your hashtag, it's like, you know, your target audience is looking at that. So for example, mine might be mompreneurs. Like if right. someone uses that hashtag, I'm like, that's my girl. Um, uh -huh. Even though obviously we have uh, male customers too. But so if I look at the mompreneur hashtag, then I'm going to go look at the top posts for mompreneur hashtags. And I'm going not not just based on likes because hash, the hashtag algorithm has changed significantly. So it's not just here's the post that has the most likes. It's here's the post that grew the fastest, the quickest, relatively speaking, compared to the size of the account. So there might be you might see one in the top that only has like 200 likes. And then the one next to it has 40,000 likes. And you're like, how can this be? Well, the one with 200 likes, maybe they only had 30 followers, but it blew up that fast. So, you know, that's a good viral post. I just look at that screen, those top posts. I pick the one that I'm like, that one is what I am. I love that. That's what I would say. That one, you know, gets me going. I would screenshot that and send that to a friend. Then I take that post. I click the three links in, or the three dots in the upper right hand corner to copy the link. I open up a repost app. The repost app downloads the content to my phone. It copies the caption to my clipboard. I paste the clipboard into a separate note. I start, I change the intro so that it's mine and saying thanks for the inspiration. And then that it's that person's post if it relates. And then I just post as I would any other piece of content that's already on my camera roll. Those reposting apps automatically give credit to the original creator. Nice. Right. If you're listening to this right now, um, if you're in your car, if you're in the gym, like pause this, go back, get get something to take notes because that was like solid gold step by step. By the way, first of all, like thank you so much. This is deep tactical stuff that you're doing here. Yeah. Most people do not do this on podcasts, so like, I'm just want to say. Massive Can I give you another really important tactical one? Okay, well, the only, here's the only way anyone's ever going to find you. You can create amazing content, but ain't nobody going to find you. No one, unless this happens. When your content goes out, here's how the algorithm works. When your content goes out, Instagram shows it to a very small group of your most engaged, regularly engaged people. These are the people who DM with you, who like your stuff, comment, share, and save your stuff. It's only showing them to a very, very teeny tiny slice of those people. If within the first 10 to 30 minutes, those people don't engage, comment, or do something, your post dies. If, however, they you do get a couple of comments, a couple of likes, a couple of shares, then it goes to the next year and then the next year and the next year and the next year. But if any point it reaches a tier where people aren't commenting, aren't liking, aren't sharing, aren't saving, it stops. So that is why it's really important for us to create content that has universal reach, not just to the people who already know us. That's number one. Now, once that starts happening and if you're using the right hashtags... You can have a post reach 50,000 new people for free. You don't have to pay a dollar for advertising. But that using those hashtags is pointless if you're not getting that uh, initial hit. 
And you're going to get that initial hit if you're creating shareable content. Now let's talk about hashtags. People love to like think of their hashtags in their head. They're like, oh, I know. I'm going to use, um, let me give you an example. I'm going to use uh, Boss Babe. That should be a great hashtag. But if the post that I'm wanting to use for Boss Babe is a, a text update, right? Like it's a you know text card, like a quote, if you will. And I go and look at the Boss Babe top hashtags right now, as I did last night. All of the top boss babe hashtags, all of the top posts are all pictures of people. So that will not, that's not a good hashtag for that particular t- piece of content. Oh. So it's not just saying like how many, uh, you know, is this a popular hashtag, but you have to know, is this the right kind of content for this type of post? If it's not, don't use it. Number one. Number two, the hashtag algorithm has updated just recently that it used to be Experts would tell you, you know, you want to pick some hashtags that are like really hard to get, like 5 million, and then some that are really achievable, like 100K. Nope, not necessary anymore. Even if you have 200 followers, you can still rank for a hashtag that has 87 million users. It's a level playing field. Now, Instagram, all that they look at is comparatively speaking, how fast did your post Take on those comments, likes, shares, DMs, saves compared to another account that use the same hashtag. It's it's doing uh, it's looking at them relative to the engagement, not relative to the size of your account. Wow, I mean, like I said, like this is really really deep, detailed, tactical stuff. Which, like I said, most people don't do this on podcasts. So I'm, I'm <laughs> massive, massively appreciating the For level sure. of depth you're giving. I mean. I'm sure this is the stuff that people learn inside your programs. So the fact that you're yep, giving yeah. some of this to us here on the Empire Builders podcast, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely grateful. So For um, sure. let, let's let's dive into something a, a little separate from social. Yeah. So uh, over many, many years, you've built and sold companies. Um, it's something that I'm fascinated by um, buying and selling businesses we we just did a did an acquisition actually in September so it's something that fascinates me and i think for a lot of people in our industry like an expert business as i call it is in many cases innately insellable or unsellable mm. so mm. like what's been what's been your experience of building your companies you've got i believe a few exits under your belt now yeah, um, yeah. where you where you've sold companies so yeah what yeah, what's yeah. the what's your thoughts, feelings on being able to exit when it's kind of an expert business built upon your expertise. Yes, I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, we we definitely made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it, because of that, it took us a long time to position a couple of our businesses uh, to be marketable, to be sellable. Um, the first of which was a, a fitness business. We had created a, a certification program. We taught people, taught fitness instructors a variety of formats uh, like four or five different formats. It was accompanied by a clothing company that went with that brand. But the mistake that we made in creating it is we kind of created it around, you know, the brand identity around me. And I was in all of the videos and I was kind of the face of the brand. Once we realized that that business couldn't scale without it really having an impact on our lives, we realized, okay, we need to sell. Um, but now how do we sell it? Because we're the face of, and as I'm sure many people are listening right now, especially entrepreneurs, it's very common for us to have a brand be focused around us. 
So our... I got a question. Do you think it's easier to get the business started and off the ground when it's based upon an individual? Like I when do. you're the face of it? Because I do and it's, it's I do like... Too. I find it, it's a little bit contradictory in that I, I go, to get started, it's easier if you make yourself the face of the business. Yeah. But ultimately, eventually... That's gonna. There's gonna be a, a ceiling that you're gonna hit because it's not scalable. Right. Or if 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 selling it is on the radar for you, then that's it's right. gonna hold you back. So it's that's tough. Right. It's almost like you need to know what your end game is when you start. Really, exactly. And that is exactly. You want to start with the end in mind. And so since so so what we had to do is we spent a series of about three years introducing other people as. The, the representatives of the brand, brand ambassadors. We put other people in the videos. We used other models. We used other spokespeople. But we had to do it slowly so that the customers didn't reject it. They needed my stamp of approval. They had to, you know, be welcomed, if you will, into the family. They had to be the right personality. They had to, they had to fit the tribe. And eventually, we were able to do that, and um, you know, put together a really nice package to to sell that business. But it it did definitely devalue. Uh, and that was something that we had to work against because there were so many years of revenue based solely on me. Then, since that time, we've started several other businesses. And to your point, Nick, we with the end in mind, we start them with me being the spokesperson. But from the beginning, even though I'm the spokesperson, I in right from the start, we brought in experts who had my stamp of approval, who I had hand selected, who I endorsed, who you know. And once that happens, if the audience trusts the face of the brand, then they trust the other ambassadors who you're introducing to them. And so I, I do think that's really important and you want to be strategic about it. I suppose it's it's kind of having a hybrid approach from the start where it's not all about you, but it's also benefiting from you as the face or you as the personal yeah. brand, as the spokesperson. I think that's a really great way of putting it. Um, because what I hear is a lot of people start and say, I don't want to make it all about me. And so they hide behind a, a corporate brand, mm. if you like. And and I, I believe it's kind of harder to get traction because it is. I it think is. people want when, they, when they're searching for answers in their health, relationships, business, investing career, whatever it might be, they're looking for somebody to follow and, and respect and look up to and learn from. But if that one person is the only person, then, of course, you're going to hold yourself back and, and limit the scalability and the sellability of the business. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know our advertising is different in different parts of the world. But if you think of any major um, advertising campaign, it's usually identified with one very trustworthy person. Maybe it's a fictional character. We have a gal here named Flo who's like the spokesperson for progressive insurance and everybody, you just love her. Um, mm. You know, and there are different brands that where they'll bring on a celebrity who has tremendous trust and likability and they become kind of the face of the brand. And it's really no different for those of us who are entrepreneurs and we are the face of the brand to begin with. Nice. I love it. So I, th I think smart play is either as you have start with yourself as the face of the brand and then as you grow, start to bring in other experts and become the yeah. spokesperson or in some respects, maybe as you have, because you already had a personal brand, you start a new company, you're the spokesperson, but you feature other experts. I think that's, yes. that's really smart. Um, I've got a, a question to throw at you out of left field. Okay. I like to try and catch people off guard. So okay. um, I, I work with, inside my company, um, there's some very close friends of mine that now work for me. 
Um, and actually, family members. So um, I think you know this from when yep. you came yep. to Expert Envoys. Yep. My mum is uh, our events director. Her husband, Tony, is our director of client communications. So um, I work real close with family. I know that you and Brett have obviously worked closely together for many, many years. Like, yep. What's yep. your take on working with, in your case, your partner or with, with your family? Like, how, how does that work? What are your tips for that? What's your experience? God, it's been fantastic, to be honest. Um, it, and it's really expanded this year. Um, my son and I started a, a membership club for Instagram, and I freaking love working with him because we, you know, he, he's a mix of both Brett and I, but like we share the same freak out excitement over analytics and data and and Instagram. So it's so fun. Like there's, I love that. Um, and I also work with my daughter. She does a lot of our graphic design and it's great because normally with the graphic artists, I have such a hard time trying to explain. No, it's not quite right. And I don't really even know how to explain it, but she kind of, she's got some of my DNA. So I can just kind of make a face and she knows what it is I want. Literally, she has your DNA. Yeah, she literally has my DNA. Now, as for the answer to that question with my husband, it's beautiful now, but it was horrible, 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 horrible when we first started. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. The reason I'm so glad you said that is because we have um, many clients in our mastermind programs who are husband and wife team or maybe, you know, business partner teams. I've been in business partnerships in the past. Yeah. One of my yeah. companies is a partnership now. I know mm. how challenging it can be. So you said there were times when it was horrible. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, and what you learned from it and how you've, how you've changed it now. Well, I hope people don't send letters. I can only be honest. Um, but I know some people like are offended by this. But I just think men and women are created differently. And when we were married... Um, my husband is, he's an alpha male. He's, he's a leader. He's a quarterback. He played professional football. He is used to calling, like literally calling the shots and being the big dog. And then when we started this business together and I was the person calling the shots and calling the plays, two things happened. Number one, um, we, it, it, it had a horrible impact on our marriage because we didn't know how to also, you know, that male, I think, need to take care of. Like, I wasn't showing him that I needed to be cared for. Uh, also, I wanted him, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to use his expertise. Uh, I, you know, I'd come up with this business idea, and this is early in the day, and I didn't know what to give him or how to tell him what to do. I just expected him to read my mind. And so I would give him what I didn't have time to do, but that wasn't his skill set. And then I would kind of intentionally, uh, passive aggressively say, well, do this. And then be like, never mind, you did it wrong. I'll do it. You know, and so it was just this horrible dance. And because I didn't know how to delegate to him, I didn't know how to use his strengths. I didn't know how to make him feel amazing. So it really created a lot of resentment and a lot of uh, bitterness between the two of us. And we, we, it hurt our relationship. Um, and, and then I later learned in therapy that I was, even the language I was using was demoralizing to him. Like I would say, um, can you do this for my business? Can you, you know, well, my business, but it was really ours, but I was saying mine. So we struggled and it, I, there was a time where I was like, you know, I just kept hearing from a lot of people, not everyone can work together. And I'm like, I guess that's us. I guess 
We probably can't because what's more important is that we stay married. But we did end up going to marriage counseling and it made a huge difference because we just weren't talking about the things. First, we weren't seeing a lot of things from each other's perspective and we weren't talking the way we needed to be talking about things. Today, it's amazing. Today, it's friggin' awesome. It's it's so who, I just, so who's who's calling the shots now? We each know our lane and it's just total respect. And it's such a relief to have someone who intimately knows the business as well as I do and who cares as much and can be such that, that great balance. Who's like, OK, it doesn't matter. We don't need to kill ourselves to do this. Let's just put work away tonight and and relax and it's it and it, it's so great to actually have someone who's like has all of the exact opposite strengths of me like I'm horrible with numbers I'm you know horrible with the operational planning and the like long-term strategies of all the different and projections and he's so good at all of that and it's such a relief not to have to deal with that not to have to negotiate contracts with our contractors like he does all of that and um and to root for each other you know, it's it's a it's a night and day transition, but it did take time and it did take the help of a therapist. Yeah, well, well listen, that, well, thank you for, I mean, that's, I think you've shown incredible vulnerability in sharing that. So I'm, I'm <laughs> very grateful that you have and, Absolutely. and a, lot of, a lot of brutal honesty. And the reason I asked the question again is because I think there's people who are listening to this that probably need to hear that. And, and I don't think... I've met that many people playing a game at the level you guys are that are working together, husband and wife team. And so I wanted to, I wanted to ask that question. And I do really appreciate the answer and, and the intention from uh, where that answer came from. So, um, you know, whether it's your mom or your spouse or your child or your uh, cousin that you're working with, there's one universal feeling that everybody wants. And if you keep that in mind with your interactions, with the way that you ask for revisions, the way that you talk to people, you, if you just always remember that everyone wants to feel needed and significant, they want to feel significant and they want to feel respected. And if you can remember that, just, you know, it's a win. It's a win. But we sometimes treat family without the same, you know, polite decorum that we do other staff why do we do that well i'm I'm asking myself i know why well because because it's it's safe say again it's safe yeah yeah it's safe you know you're you're not gonna you're not gonna quit i mean even if you do quit we're still family you know what i mean and and so i think that's why we do it but um and i remind myself all the time like even with both my kids like i have a, a way of just communicating sometimes very directly like can you do this instead of this? Instead of remembering to say like, to acknowledge first, like, oh, that was really good. I actually love this. But I'm what you know, everyone still needs that. Like, hey, did you just notice that I, I at least tried or I, you know, I did something? Did you, what, am I significant? Does this matter? And, and I think it's really important we all kind of slow down and do that. Jalene Johnson, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you for giving us what I believe is probably the most honest, vulnerable, also detailed, tactical <laughs> interview on the Empire Builders podcast so far. Oh my goodness. You've been amazing. Um, when, can, when can we get you back to London? 
I mean, right? come Can on. I, I'm dying. I would come tomorrow. Oh, if we're, Are we allowed in your country yet? Yeah, not yet, I don't think. So well, I'm crossing Jeez. everything. Like, I, I cannot wait till we can start running our Expert Empires events again. I'd love <sighs> to have you guys back over. Um, as I said at the start, I think, you know, the the energy and the, the love that everyone had for you when you spoke at Expert Empires last year was incredible. So let's It's beginning make that to create happen. an ache, you know? Like, at, at first I was like, oh, it's all right. We're all, we're all stuck. But it's, it's beginning to create this, like, insatiable ache to want to be with people and to interact live and in person and to travel. It's just, I don't know, how do you feel about it? But it's killing me. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really fortunate. We've got we've got our own training facility and we're running small workshops wow. and small events, but like max 25 people um, right now is the most we can really, really uh, have because of the restrictions locally where we are. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the not being able to run the big expert empires events and not being able, you know, to to travel to the US and speak at events. And I'm really missing that. So yeah, I, I think then again, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. It and must. I think, you know, it, I, I am, one thing I'm going to say is the first expert empires events I, uh, event I run after this is all over is going to be an absolute beast. <laughs> Because it like I just can't wait. I'm gonna throw yes. everything at it. The best yes. lineup, the best event, the biggest audience, you name it, we're going Trapeze we're going, Exactly. We're go, we're going all in. We're going all in. <laughs> I love um, it. Listen, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Cannot wait to host you again in London. Shalene Johnson. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much, Nick. Love you too. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.